Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Cedar Valley Church this morning. My name is Grant, one of the pastors here, and I am super thrilled to be back with you, coming back after about five weeks of parental leave. I have a newborn daughter. It's, she's amazing, it's fantastic. I'm really tired. But this morning, I'm here to get the service started for all of you. So if you're here on campus and you're just out in the foyer, come on in, come into the sanctuary. If you're online, let's get ready to go. It's gonna be a great morning. First of all, if this is your first time joining us, a special welcome to you. We're really thrilled that you're here joining us on campus, online, wherever it is. We would love to get to know you better. And in order for us to do that really well, we need your help a little bit. So if you're new here and you'd like to get connected here, uh, let us know. If you're on campus, find somebody wearing a lanyard, that'd be great. We'll get you connected however we can. If you're online, throw up a comment on either the YouTube or Facebook feed or send us an email at hello at cedarvalley.ca. And for everybody joining in, just a little reminder that we are on Facebook, we're on Instagram, we're on YouTube, uh, live services broadcasted every single Sunday. If you miss service, that's fine. You can join in there. If you really like something that you enjoyed uh, on campus here, you can get the replays online. Uh, we also have our website, sierravalley.ca, but just following our channels online is the best way to stay connected with the different stuff happening around. We have midweek devotional posts and all of those things get summarized in a weekly email newsletter sent out on Fridays. And you can sign up for that again at our website, that's cedarvalley.ca. Uh, also, we are incredibly thankful for your ongoing support of just what is going on here at this church. It's been a really challenging year just to be connected, to be present, uh, everything, even economically, financially, we're all going through different struggles. Some of us have had different job changes, but as a church organization, we've been able to continue going through um, continuing on our mission just to bring the good news of Jesus Christ into this town and city of mission. And a lot of that is due to your financial generosity, just to literally keep our doors open, to keep our staff paid and to keep our ministries thriving really well. So thank you for that. If you are looking to give to this work that we're doing here as a church, you can do that. Check out our website, cedarvalley.ca slash giving. Or if you're on campus too, we have some boxes at the back of the church. Uh, again, not an obligation, just a way of supporting the work and ministry we're doing here. It's a way of worship that we believe we're uh, being generous with our finances, giving back to God what he's given to us. And this morning, we're especially talking about how generosity is a core value of our church. More on that a little bit later. So in just a moment, we're going to get the service started here. We're going to have a time of worship singing. There'll be lyrics on the screen. It's just a way that we kind of get into the headspace and mindset of how amazing God is, how, what he means to us and how much we love him. We do that through song as a church. After that, we've got a special lesson just for the kids. If you're on campus, we're going to be dismissing you. You can head out to the back and uh, make sure parents, if you're here on campus, that they're signed in. There's a kiosk at the back. Find someone wearing a lanyard if you need help doing that. And you have your own special service downstairs online. We have a special video for you. It's going to be fantastic. And after that, Pastor Rob is bringing us a message in our series on our church's mission, vision, and values. Really, what is Cedar Valley Church all about? What is really important to us and how do we want to be known by our community and people around us? This morning, like I said, talking about generosity, huge value for us and why is that important? Before we get into all of that, uh, a little bit of a discussion question, prayer time for all of us here. This week on Thursday, November 11th, Remembrance Day, we took a moment of silence, remembering 
those who fought and gave their lives in war and uh, global conflict. And we've reflected on their sacrifice and really how we benefit now from that, what, what people have done, what soldiers have done fighting for our country. Um, as a church, we also pray for those who have lost loved ones in these conflicts in times of war and they're experiencing the ongoing tragedy that comes out of these things. It's, it's a horrible time and uh, these kind of conflicts are, they rip people apart. So as a church, we pray for God to be redeeming in those times, to intervene in those times and frankly, to just bring peace about in times when we need miraculous uh, ends of conflict happening around the world, even to this day. As a Mennonite church specifically, we are a Mennonite uh, connected church. We have a long connected history to um, war and disaster relief work. Uh, some current organizations like Mennonite Central Committee, World Relief, and Mennonite Disaster Services uh, have been going and continue to go into areas devastated by war, conflict, and disasters and um, bring about restoration and relief and bring about God's good news in a physical, tangible form of just rebuilding places, uh, restoring communities, restoring uh, work and families as much as we can, working with refugees and immigration uh, to come out of areas of conflict. So this morning, I want us to spend a few minutes praying for relief workers and thinking about them all around the world, sharing stories of involvement if you have been involved in relief work like that. and. If you know of any organizations or ways to be in support of that, share those as well. So if you're online, share some of those thoughts, share some of your prayers really. If you're here on campus, same thing, turn to your neighbor, share uh, organizations that you know of, how we can be in support of that too. Uh, the two I listed there too are fantastic that we're connected with as a church that we support regularly too. Uh, and this morning we'll just put up there on the screen, spend a couple minutes praying for these relief efforts and relief workers all around the world. I'll start off for you and uh, just continue on from there. So join me in that. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a God who listens to us and is involved. God, we believe that you listen to our words and you do take action, God. Uh, sometimes we don't see it exactly the way that we're asking for it, but God, we do believe that you're present. God, in these global conflicts, disasters, and God, war is so horrible and tragic. God, we thank you for the freedom that we benefit from here, especially in Canada, from uh, the sacrifice people have made in the past. And God, we also lament the loss and pain and tragedy that did have to come alongside with that. And God, we pray for peace. We pray for relief from these issues. God, we pray for your intervention miraculously to cease wars before they ever have to start. Um, but God, specifically, what we really think about is the relief efforts. We thank you that you've given us both the burden, the tasking, and the passion to be your work of reconciliation in the world. And so God, there are ministries all around the world. There are workers, there are missionaries that are wanting to bring that restoration and be your hands and feet uh, all around the world and even in our own communities. So God, we just lift them up, pray for them, that you energize them, that you bless them, that you protect them and continue empowering them to do that work for you. So God, our people are gonna continue in a few moments of praying for this topic uh, and all of that. We pray these things in your name.
Done.
Hey Cedar Valley kids, thanks for tuning in. We have a special video for you from a organization called Crossroads Kids Ministry, and it is all about generosity. This morning we're talking about a core value of our church. One of the things that we're really proud of and that we want to be known about, known by really, generosity. And that means being like very giving, like letting other people having it, even more than sharing. It's just like giving the stuff that you really love, that's really important to you, letting other people be part of that as well. So while you're watching this video, I've got a question for you and you can chat about it. Tell your parents one of the things, maybe, maybe they can even post it online if you're watching online. Uh, what is one of your favorite gifts that you have given to somebody else, right? Like it's so fun to receive gifts, especially with Christmas time coming up or your birthday, but maybe you've given a present and you've just, it's been one of your favorite things and your friend got the gift and they just loved it too. So what's one of the favorite things that you have given to somebody else? Thanks for tuning in. God's story, generosity. So part of God's story is about how he wants us to be generous. And it goes like this. Being generous means sharing what you have. It's something God has always asked his followers to do. Remember how God built a special family called the Israelites? They were his very first followers. He taught them what to do by giving them laws, like giving 10% of everything they had back to God. That's called tithing. God even said to test him. If they obeyed and were generous with what he gave them, he would give them exactly what they needed. See, God is generous, and he wants us to be like him. He sent his greatest treasure, his son Jesus, to earth. Jesus left the kingdom of heaven and gave up his life to rescue us so that one day we can be a part of God's kingdom and live in it with him forever. Basically, Jesus gave up everything for us. Anyway, when Jesus was here, he showed us even more about being generous. In fact, Jesus said we can not only give a tithe, but we can give way more than that. We can give thirsty people water and hungry people food. We can visit people who are lonely and pray for people who are hurting. He did that all the time. He said when we do that, it's like we're giving to him. Jesus actually told us when we're generous, we show him we love him. He said, your heart will always be where your treasure is. That's a fancy way of saying you spend your money on what you care about. In the Bible, one day, a rich guy came up to Jesus and asked what he could do to live forever in God's kingdom. Jesus said, go and sell everything you have. Give the money to those who are poor. You will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. Jesus wants us to follow him with our whole hearts and care about him more than anything. Unfortunately, the man went away sad because he couldn't put his treasure in heaven. He loved the stuff he had on earth too much. Another time, Jesus watched people give offerings at the temple. One woman only put in a few small coins, but Jesus told his disciples, 
That poor widow has put more into the offering box than all the others. They all gave a lot because they are rich, but she gave even though she is poor. She put in everything she had. That was all she had to live on. The widow gave everything to Jesus, just like Jesus gave everything to us. Like the rich guy and the poor widow, all of us have different ways we can give. The Bible actually says we should give what we want. After all, God loves a cheerful giver. When we share joyfully with others, we're showing love to God. Our generosity shows Jesus how much we love Him, just like His generosity shows how much He loves us. And that's the story of generosity. So in case you missed it, here's the quick version. God asks us to be generous. He wants us to be like Him. God sent Jesus to us. Jesus gave up His life. Jesus showed us how to give. We give to things we care about. The rich guy cared about his stuff. The poor woman cared about Jesus. Jesus cares about us. We can love Jesus back by being generous. And that's a part of God's story. Hey Cedar Valley, we are in a teaching series on our positional statements, what we would call mission, vision, and values. And today we are talking about generosity. And we are measuring that for ourselves personally and as a church with this question, how am I using what God gave me to bless others? But let's begin with a word association game. It's going, to be, it's going to be a very short game because it's only one word. What do you think of, like what thoughts or words would you associate with the word talent? America's got it, but we don't. Actually, we do. And we did for a one and only season nine years ago, but now Canada's got talent begins anew this year on City TV. Judges include Canadians, Howie Mandel, a little late star, Lily Singh, music label executive and producer, Cardinal Afashal, nope, not what you think, WWE star, Trish Stratus, and country music star, Lindsay L, as your host, but I digress. Maybe you thought talent was related to star judges like the aforementioned panel, or star athletes, or star musicians, or star performers. They're so talented. Or maybe you associated the word talent with graphic and visual artists. That Paige Elliott really knows how to package content in cool, creative, and colorful ways as a graphic designer. Or that Jen Unger, really knows how to draw, how to paint, how to post, how to create. They're both so talented. But I bet none of us, including me, associated the words heaviness 
or weight with the word talent. Please turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 25. There in chapter 25 of Matthew, you will find three stories Jesus told his disciples as they sat together on the Mount of Olives. The temple fully intact and within their sight. Jesus alive and well, guiding them, teaching them. Nothing terrible had happened yet, but terrible was on its way. Jesus was preparing them for it by describing the kingdom of heaven to them. That is how his disciples should live lives of forgiveness and love until he returned. So Jesus emphasized in the story of the ten virgins that nobody knows the day or the hour when he, the bridegroom, would return. His disciples then should always be prepared, anticipating and excited and ready like a bride would be for her wedding day. In the story of the talents, Jesus further emphasized how his disciples were to spend their lives. In other words, what they were doing with what they had been given. Or in the language of our core value as we opened, how are we being generous? How am I using what God gave me to bless others? We'll get back to that in a moment. Finally, in the story of the sheep and the goats, Jesus describes the moment when the waiting will be over, when he returns to earth with his angels as king, as judge. He'll separate those who have faithfully followed him from those who have actively rejected him. Eternal life for the former and eternal punishment for the latter. So taking these three stories together, we are reminded in Matthew 25 to be ready to act ready, and ready or not, here comes Jesus. Let's circle back to the story of the Ten Talents. Jesus describes a man who goes on a journey and trusting his servants with his wealth and possessions while he's away. The master gives five talents to one servant, two talents to another servant, and a single talent to a third servant. Now, back to our short word association game. What does the word talent here mean? Well, it didn't mean performance or star power or graphic ability. It first meant a unit of weight, about 75 pounds, and then a unit of coinage. <coughs> so sorry about that. So it's different than our modern concept of talent as a gift or as a natural ability, though as we're going to see in a moment, uh, they're kind of related. Here, though, the master is entrusting his servants with a massive measure of his wealth. Some estimate that a single talent could have been worth nearly 20 years of common labor. Some even estimate that a single talent was worth more than $1,000. Whatever the case, the master placed an enormous amount of trust in all three men, 
proportionate to each of their abilities. The parable goes on to say that two of the servants, the one given five talents and the one handed two, were good servants, good stewards of their master's money, and investing it in such a way that when the master returned, they handed back double what he had originally given them. The third servant, though, was not, not nearly so prudent. According to the story, in verse 18, the one who received one talent went away and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. When the master returned, the servants were faithful, those that were, were praised and entrusted with more of the master's wealth. Verse 21, well done, good and faithful servants, the master said to each of them. You were faithful with a few things. I'm going to put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. The third servant, however, is well, he's condemned for, like, which, which is, what is a pretty lame excuse, actually, that he was afraid to lose his master's money. The fact is, his excuse was it's just dishonest. If he really feared the master so much, then... He would have tried to generate some kind of profit for him, even if it was just out of fear. Instead, the third man proves he's not a true servant at all. He's just, he's just a pretender. Whether out of spite or laziness or bitterness, that third servant chose to ignore the enormous blessing he was given. Having proven himself disloyal and disobedient, the man then is thrown out in to the dark. So what do we make of this story? Uh, especially if it's true that our present day use of the word talent to indicate an ability or a gift is derived from this story. If stories are meant for us to enter them through our imagination and wonder who we are in the story and what we learn about its main characters or even about ourselves, then it seems most sensible to think of us in this story as the servants and Jesus as the master. This, in fact, is the truth of the matter. Jesus has given his followers responsibilities and he has promised to return one day. In Matthew chapter 25, later in the text, before Jesus ascended to heaven, actually this is in John 14, 3, before Jesus ascended to heaven, he told his disciples, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Which is to say in Matthew chapter 25, verse 46, eternal life. So, so what? If you're a follower of Jesus, kick back, put the feet up, chill out a little until he returns. Like, of course not. Just like the master in this story, Jesus has entrusted his followers to steward what is most valuable to him and to partner in his ministry. So Jesus entrusts his servants with his forgiveness and love. That's substantive. That has weight as a treasure to share, not as something to hoard and keep to yourself. This is the gospel that God the Father sent Jesus into the world to show us his love, to save us from our sin, to shut down religion, and to set up his kingdom of forgiveness and love. Ours to treasure as pure gift, 
and also ours to share as pure gift. Jesus entrusts his servants with his revealing word to grow in our knowledge of him, not to be proud about how much we know or to use our knowledge of him to judge others, but to know Jesus and to follow him more faithfully. Jesus entrusts his servants with talents of their own, gifts of God that represent the weight of God, kabod in the Hebrew in the Old Testament, and the glory of God, doxa in the New Testament, Greek. Holy Spirit saturated abilities and gifts given us by that same Spirit, not to keep them to ourselves, but to use them for the benefit of others and specifically to build up, to encourage and to comfort the church. Jesus has entrusted his followers with his greatest treasures, making them caretakers of his ministry and commissioned ambassadors of his mission. It's sort of like a parent giving their keys to their car to their child, or as was my case, my daughter giving me the keys to her car while I gave mine to my wife while my daughter drove her mother's car. Let me explain. Kaylee, my daughter, lent me her vintage 1998 standard transmission, neon green, gold badged Honda Civic SE hatchback for a couple of days this past summer. It was like, it was actually like driving a big go-kart. That little car accelerated like nobody's business in a corner like it was on rails, as they say. The only drawback to the car for me was that it's so low to the ground that I had to shoulder roll out of the car to the ground and pick myself up every time just to get out of the car. It's not entirely true, but it's pretty close. Kaylee loves her car. It's of extraordinary value to her. She entrusted it to me to take care of it. She, she gave it to me to use for my benefit and to benefit others. So I did. I went to work in her car. I visited friends. I grabbed groceries for my family in her car. I ran errands, ministry, but I also cleaned out her car, vacuumed it, wiped it down, ran it through a car wash and filled her tank up to full, which by the way was not how I got it. Stewardship. I cared for her car because she cares for it. I used it as the gift it is to her for my benefit and for the benefit of others. To repeat, Jesus has entrusted his followers with his greatest treasures, making them caretakers of his ministry and commissioned ambassadors of his mission. This is an incredible responsibility, one that Jesus' followers should take seriously. But more than just protecting their master's wealth or possessions, a good steward will also find ways to grow and develop and improve them. For followers of Jesus, this can apply to our time, talent, and our treasures. A believer who sees these things, time, talent, treasure, 
as a borrowed investment belonging to God and needing to be returned, we'll be motivated to treat them with care and intention. In, in the parable, the wise servants knew that their master would return and were motivated to, to grow, to develop his investment with the time and the money they were given. They made it count and they were eager to hand back all they had earned out of gratefulness. Fearful of his master, the lazy servant did nothing with his master's money and buried it in the ground. He saw his master as a cruel taskmaster, not a generous, gracious Lord. He didn't take joy in the promise of the master's return, but he instead wasted his time, his opportunities, and the master's money. He saw no growth and no return as a result. So how do you see God? As a cruel taskmaster or as generous, gracious Lord. Depending on how you answer that, you'll see all that is good in your life as a borrowed investment belonging to God, both physical and spiritual, to be treated with care and intention, or you won't. You'll be motivated by gratefulness or fear your choice, I guess. And if it's fear, you'll keep things to yourself. <clears throat> I think the point of this story is how we, as God's creations, use the assets, resources, abilities, skills, materials, and opportunities he has given to us to honor him and bless others. Not all people are given the same share of talents, but God's assessment is based on whether we are faithfully using what we're given or not. Which, which raises the question, how do you see the time, talent, and treasure God has given you? As things to keep to yourself or as things to intentionally share with others? How do you spend your time? How do you spend your abilities and gifts in service of others, especially the church? How do you spend your money? These are all questions about generosity. Or, as we ask it in our core value statement on generosity, how am I using what God gave me to bless others? It's a great question. We get to enjoy what God has given us and share those same things to bless others. Passing on his joy or maybe even entering in. I can tell you this, that Kaylee's joy was doubled when she lent me her car to drive. She enjoys her car, but she also enjoyed the fact that I enjoyed her car. So what does generosity equal? How do you spend your time? We all get 168 hours per week on the planet, 56 sleeping, maybe 40 working, 7 eating, 7 refueling emotionally or mentally or physically or spiritually, 3.5 running errands. I'm just, you know, rounding the figures here and getting stuff done around the house. That's 113.5 hours altogether if you're working full time. That leaves a whopping 54.5 hours of discretionary time every week. 
even more if you're retired. Now, I'm not doing the math to make us feel bad about what we're not doing. I'm just doing the math with you to invite us to look at our lives and wonder about how we're spending our time, both structured and flexible. Could you, for instance, give some time to our local food bank to sort or stock shelves, sort food or stock it? Could you help your neighbor fix their portable basketball hoop or put up their Christmas lights or bring their empty trash cans to their door? Could you take the time to just listen to someone, to hear their story, to give them a sense that they're, they're not alone? Can you spend some of your time visiting lonely seniors? Are we so busy that we can't give it an hour or two to these kinds of good things? And if we are, are we, are we booking ourselves a little too tight? Secondly, how do you spend your abilities and gifts in service of others, especially the church? By knowing, I think it's really simple actually, by knowing who you are, by thinking and praying about where you might help, and by trying something out. And by the way, like you're never too old for this. Your pastors would be happy to help you explore what that might look like for you at church. And like, may I suggest, please don't wait for us to call you. Just, just make the call. Yes, we are here to help you. And yes, it's actually our job, Ephesians chapter 4, to equip you as we can. But it's, it's actually your responsibility to do what you would with the abilities and gifts you've been given. You get that chance to hand back to Jesus how you have grown what he has given you. You love to play music or sing, so you lead others in worship through music. You're a good problem solver or you like learning new stuff, so you join the AV team. You love kids and they love you and you see teaching them as a chance to disciple the next generation. So you help out in Cedar Valley kids. You're a good listener and you gently guide people to hope and wisdom. So you become a youth or adult small group leader or helper. You see the brokenness and hurt that plagues us and feel led to lead freedom sessions, so you step up. You are so intrigued by the Sistine Chapel as the gospel in paint that you offer up a class to show others. You adore the Bible and the Christ who it reveals, and you're a gifted teacher, so you lead a Bible study fellowship. You're good with your hands, building and repairing things, so you help out on the church's maintenance team. You're good with numbers, so you help out on the church's finance team. You're a gifted organizer, and you're a detailed kind of person, so you help out in the office. You're a humble, growing leader, so you let your name stand to be affirmed to the leadership team. With Jesus, you grow your abilities and gifts in service of the church and then say to him now and in the end, see what we did there. Staff does and will 
shoulder tap people to see if they'd be willing to lead or be a helper in a ministry setting. But boy, it'd be great um, knowing who you are and your abilities and gifts, having the time and the energy to use them and having thought and prayed about what you could try if you reached out to a staff member to offer up your talents. And then finally, how do you spend your money? It's none of my business, right? For sure, actually. But it is God's, and it is your conversation to have with him. The Bible is abundantly clear about God's invitation to give some of our money to the church in support of its cost, its ministries, and its staff. It is to be done generously, proportionately, regularly, and sacrificially, which is to say, give as much as you can, give as much as you can, based on as much as you have, as often as you can, in rhythm, at the expense of sometimes not getting what you can. This is actually a bad way to think about how we would give for church, but for kingdom as a whole. With that in mind, thank you for giving as you do, Cedar Valley Church. You've been faithful givers throughout this pandemic. It's true. We are a little bit ahead of our budgeted expenses at this point and a little bit behind our budgeted giving. But thanks to your long-time generosity, we still have a super healthy bank account. Your financial generosity has helped us keep our campus open and even do some renovations and repairs. It has helped us keep our staff employed through this financially challenging season. And it has allowed us to continue to reach out to our community, gather for worship and disciple one another. So thanks again. Generosity is not just about money. It's about all that God has given us, time, talent, and treasure, and centrally the gift of his son, his love, our forgiveness. It's about how am I using what God gave me to bless others. Let's close in prayer. And to give you a heads up yet, there are questions to come that will put uh, some traction to what we're learning together this morning. And... Uh, Grant's going to join me in that. So let's pray, and then we'll, we'll go to that. Father, firstly, thank you for the gift of your love embodied in Jesus for our forgiveness. That's what we have to, to enjoy that is ours because of what you've done. That is what we steward, but it is also the ministry and the mission you call us into, which is to share that with others. I think it all starts there. And then we think about our time and our talent and our treasure. And so as we're going to talk about in the wrap-up question and answer bit coming, I pray that already by your Spirit you would be challenging us to think about how we are spending our time and talent and treasure. 
Because we could fill our lives with activity, but it's better to fill it with purpose more often than not. So help us, help us to do that in partnership with you and therein find our deep joy. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. See you in a second. All right. Okay. Hey, thanks everyone for joining us this morning. Thank you, Pastor Rob, for the message. Uh, it, I've really enjoyed the fact that, like, it's one thing to say we've got, you know, here's our value statements, right? And like, it's cool bumper stickers, but yep. it's important to actually wrestle through what does that actually mean? And part of what we're doing here at the end of our messages is literally that, like wrestling through, talking about it, making it almost like, almost like the post-game follow-up of like, hey, what actually just happened and how does that actually matter? Yeah. And that's, that's what we're doing here. It's a so good have, analogy, the post-game. Yeah. I like that. Totally. So we have some questions. Uh, if you're watching online or if you're here in person, we're going to be doing some dialogue, some chat. Think about it. Be ready to honestly just take this, your thoughts, talk it over with whoever you're watching with or somebody beside you, family, friends, bring it to family dinner tonight and say like, hey, we were chatting about church about this today. What, what do you think about this? This is my thought, or I'm confused about this, right? It like, makes it really real and it makes it not just a thing that's part of a building here. It's actually part of your faith in life. Yeah, and I think if you tell yourself that when Grant preaches or if I preach or if Doug preaches, we're actually starting a conversation. This is, this is now for you to extend it and apply it. Totally. So Love what do you got? Well, okay, so first question of two, what's your weight? Which I put in there uh, just to be funny, right? But if you're, if you got what talent meant, you'll understand. So how are you talented? Where do you see developing your abilities uh, and gifts as a trust from God to benefit others? Mm. Do you have thoughts on this? Yeah. Um, right away I go to thinking of, I, I know when I was growing up and I started having interest in one thing or the other thing, uh, my parents are actually really good at directing me to saying like, hey, you know, we're, we're stoked that you've got like this passion. You have a bit of natural gifting here. Uh, big thing is like, you need to develop it for one. You got to see if it's actually working out for you and find a way to use it for what they would say like church, but they didn't mean like literally just Sunday mornings, but like the church and a big idea, like how can you use this to actually bless other people intentionally, be the love of God, whether you're playing soccer or mountain biking yeah. or playing guitar. Yeah, being a kingdom person, that's yeah. the church person. Yeah, I like yeah. that a lot, actually. Uh, at, I mean, I generate the question, so I, I should have an answer. And one has been materializing. And, and I, I don't know if I would have described it this way, but I, I think it's sort of what I should talk about a little bit here. And that is, uh, I, I think God has given me a, a, a decent sense of humor. <laughs> and I, someone asked me recently, hey, I noticed that in our meetings, you know, when it's kind of difficult, you'll you'll bring some levity. And I, and I, I hadn't thought about that. Hmm. I've, I don't even know if I do that intentionally, but I know I do it. Sure. Uh, and I think that's because uh, it, I'm not trying to make light of things at all, actually. Uh, I think it's an expression of faith that, or just sort of telling myself right now anyway, that I trust God's working at this, and it's, it's got a perspective that is kind of, we need to pull back and be okay with that. And not we need to, but we can. And I think humor helps me do that. It's like, sure. okay, okay this, is, this is important, but it's not everything. Yeah, yeah, we're not at the apocalypse yet, right? Yeah, like, right? So, step down. Sure. again, I'm not trying to belittle how serious anything is, but, and how to develop that. That's, hmm. how to, so, to know when that's more, helpful than not because sure. it, it can it can be like you're being pretty glib about this fella right 
I'm not trying to be, sorry. Okay, so sure, you gotta sometimes tone it down and rein it yep. as you learn to develop anything. I know a big one for how, where do you see it developing is looking for patterns of using those gifts in your life as they kind of come up. And essentially, I've always thought of it as like God sticking in place and saying like, you know, you're gonna do it here and oh, you didn't do it, so pop you in somewhere else. You've been brought into a position, uh, transitional ministry here at this church, which has countless daily conflict burden, like conversations that can be really tense and heightened. Yeah, for sure. So then you're bringing yep. that kind of opportunity to tone it down and make it relational yeah. about love again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's huge. I know yeah. a funny one that's just coming to my mind was thinking um, camera work actually was never a passion I sought out. But uh, way back, I think I was in grade nine or something like that, I went on a missions trip as a camera person. I ended up becoming like uh, somebody who's doing a lot of camera work for my family, That's for different cool. stuff like that. Uh, I ended up getting engaged to and marrying a girl who was like huge into photography, but then like, I was just like, oh, what are these cameras? I started playing with buttons and lenses. And now here it's like a majority of my profession Here's is where camera you are work. Now. And we're glad you're here now. Yeah, and so God keeps sticking me into things of like, hey, you got to work on this. Hey, this is going to be big. So, yeah, and, and yeah. I think, as I said earlier, just think about it, pray about it, see what the need is, and just try. Yeah. Right? Welcome back, by the way. It's good to have you <laughs> back. Okay, let's go to the second question because I think we're already over our time. Yeah. That's okay. Uh, where can you be more generous with your time, talent, mm. or treasure? And what will you do about it this week? So, this is like meat on the bone kind of thing. Sure. I just became a new father, so time <laughs> doesn't exist. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. You know what? And, and think, you're discovering new talents now too, aren't you? <laughs> or ones that I wasn't good at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, treasure is gonna be the, I think this is probably our North American thing, one of the most common things that uh, we hold on to money way more than we should in the sense that we see money and finances as a, if I gain it, like it, it's a very finite thing. Yeah. That it's like, it goes here and it leaves someone else. And if I give money, it means I've lost money. Because yeah, we work out of a mentality of scarcity and totally. instead and, of generosity. And competition and capitalism. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And, and I think generosity actually then would start, it, when you can have your mind start realizing this thing that like, actually the treasures in your life that you've been blessed with are not a finite thing. I mean, right. to make it a joke, our governments don't see it as a finite thing necessarily. Right. But <laughs> when you are generous with literally the money you've gotten rather than seeing it as numbers that now that's gone and it can't just give it here and there. You start seeing the way that blessings beget blessings begin, uh, God just providing in incredible ways for you. Yeah, it, I, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, just amazing stories constantly of generosity and God providing, right? I think the challenge for me relating to that is I tend to see money as security. Hmm. If I have it in the bank, I'm gonna be okay. If I have food in the fridge, I'm gonna be all right. Sure, yeah. And like, that's hard to shake, right? Yeah. Uh, so if I was going to work on something this week, it might be along those lines. And maybe I'll, I'll, lay, I'll just put it out there right now for the spirit to challenge me. Maybe I need to be aware of a chance to give some money away, hmm. not irresponsibly, but yeah. just generously without being scared of. Sure. Right? Huh. I, I developed a little task to force myself to get into that habit. Whenever you're going to a store and you buy stuff and the cashiers are always like, do you want to donate a dollar to whatever and this, that, there's a hundred things, right? That's true. I made it a thing for myself at least. If I'm buying something that is completely unnecessary, like yeah. it's just a frivolous, 
or fast food and just a burger. I'm just like, yeah. I, nothing, whatever. It's not, not groceries and stuff, but completely unnecessary. And they're like, hey, do you want to donate to like this kid's sports program? I've said, if it's an unnecessary purchase, then yes, I will. Because if I'm going to... That's a good discipline. Yeah, That's so I'm going to just discipline to bless myself. Yep. Why not bless I like that a lot. See, now, now I'm challenged. Superstore, here I come. I'm going to be donating this week. <laughs> All right. Thanks, buddy. Okay, throw it up in the comments. We'll, we'll put these on the screen for a little while. Yeah. Continue the discussion. Give us your ideas if you have ideas like that. For sure. Uh, just express where your heart's at. Yeah. Thanks, Cedar Valley. Peace, Cedar Valley.